0: There are so many industries that lack diversity, and the automotive industry is one of them. The percentage of dealerships owned by people of color is dismal, and there are even fewer owned by women of color. Welcome to the Empowerment Zone with Ramona Houston, where we zone in on black and brown relations and our journey to empowering our communities. Today, I am talking to Grené Barranco, who is a strong advocate for increasing the numbers of people of color and women, and particularly women of color in the dealer space. Grené entered the automotive industry at the age of 15 through her family, moving up the dealership ladder and serving in multiple capacities ever since. Currently, Grené serves as vice president of e-commerce for Mercedes-Benz of Buckhead, And she also owns G-Lux Automotive, Atlanta's newest independent online dealership. In addition to believing in the empowerment of women, she also embraces social responsibility and uses her influence to make a social impact in her community. Enjoy our conversation and see show notes for more information about Renee Barranco. As always, make sure you subscribe to the Empowerment Zone podcast and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Your support will make sure that we continue our journey in empowerment and impact. It is a pleasure to have you on the Empowerment Zone. Welcome.
1: Thank you. Glad to be here.
0: So you are one of uh, the African-American women who are really doing well in the automotive industry. And I know you have so much great advice you could uh, provide on, you know, how to be successful in the automotive industry as an African-American woman. But before we get there, can you give us a little bit of background about yourself and just explain your professional trajectory and how you got into the automotive business?
1: Okay, absolutely. Well, I got into the automotive business the way Frankly, a lot of people get into the automotive business and we can talk about that and why that matters if you like. But um, it via my family, so my parents, uh, my dad was in the business, basically we were in Baton Rouge, Louisiana and he wanted to be in the automotive uh, industry. So back then they wouldn't let black people in the automotive industry, not in the front anyway. And he wanted to sell cars. So they wouldn't allow him to do that. Anyway, the story goes, he went back every day for like a month and just sat outside and finally they told him to come in and that's how he started. So he went from there to um, getting the opportunity to own his own dealership through one of the minority programs that Ford had at the time. So we moved to Atlanta in 1978 and opened our first dealership, Barranco Pontiac. And from there, you know, we have been in the business you know, all that time. Currently we have um, Mercedes Benz of Buckhead here in Atlanta, Georgia and Mercedes Benz of Covington in Louisiana. So I came into this industry through my family. Um, We always worked on it together. We always felt like it was everybody's uh, business and and everybody did need to uh, kick in and help from day one. So I basically feel like I was born into it. I It's in my blood. I love it. It's my, my second home. So that's the way I got into the industry. Started off as a receptionist at 15 and then cashier and all kinds of things and sales and the internet sales. I actually started our internet department in 1997. It was one of the first internet departments in the country um, for automotive dealer. So that's how I got into the industry and that's important because that's the way a lot of people get into the industry so if we don't have black dealers and black families in the industry then that automatically pretty much makes it um very difficult even more difficult for for black people to rise to the level of dealer or owner in the dealer, in, in the industry
0: so tell us about the stats in terms of um how many African American owned dealerships do we have in the country? Uh and what you see as the process of improving uh the percentages?
1: Yep, well right now as far we have um now African American, that's a different number that I don't necessarily have, but minority, uh, which you know includes uh, everybody. Um I believe so. That number is 1146. I believe I can confirm that with NAMAD, they keep all those stats. But I do know that the number of black women dealers is six. So they're over the yeah, there are over 17,000 dealership rooftops in the country, right? And we have six black women dealers, period. And two of those are sisters who are second generation and their dad. Um, is really progressive and, and getting them raised up to work in the industry, and they love it. Um, and so their father put them on what they call paragraph third, which is which says who the dealers are. And so they've worked in the industry for their whole lives and are now uh, our fifth and sixth Black female dealers. So um, it's pretty dismal.
0: Oh, wow. That's amazing. Especially when you look at the fact that people of color Buy cars, but yet <laughs> we are not on the other end of receiving the benefits of of that particular industry,
1: exactly. And it's a great industry to be in because it's a high paying industry. If you do it right, um you know you can make a significant amount of money. Um, and there are several different positions where you can make that money, but we're just not in position to even get involved. I mean, it's hard enough for men, black men to have uh, broken that barrier. Uh, For black women, it's really difficult. And like you said, it's a shame because we're the ones who are making the decisions, the the, the, the purchasing decisions, overwhelmingly so. Mm -hmm. And now we are the majority of the people actually with the registrations in our name. Mm -hmm. we're the purchasers as well. Um, So, yeah, we need to be reflected in this industry, I I do believe.
0: So uh, tell us about that process and how you think we should increase the numbers of uh, women, women of color, and specifically African-American women uh, in the automotive industry.
1: Well, I think it starts off with awareness. Like, you know, I saw your face when I said six, you're like, well, you know, very surprised. And so we've got to let people know that this is the case so that we can use our dollars as our votes, right? Um, You know, we see, I see so many um, black people buying these super expensive cars from companies that don't have any black dealers, period. You know what I mean? So do a little bit of research and see is is there a black company out there that you can buy from? I mean that's huge, and uh, and and you know see if you can work with them. And if there are none, ask yourself why, and see if you really want to support that. We got to vote with our dollars. I mean you they're not going to listen to anything else. So so the, what we hear all the time is that there aren't any qualified um, black people out there. Well you know I'm in a program that we have the NADA Dealer Academy. That's the National Automobile Dealers Association, our big association, which I love and am a part of. So, um, but they have a dealer academy and it prepares people for dealership ownership. So there is a path. So even if you have identified a person who maybe doesn't have all of the experience or, you know, whatever you're looking for in a Dealer, you can take that person and send them to Dealer Academy, and they can learn whatever they need to know there. So, um, as far as having qualified people, that I know, a lot of qualified people. <laughs> Y'all do right, <laughs> right? But even in the industry, we—I mean—which—and you do rarely see Black women and in positions of management in the front, you know, for uh, customer-facing management positions. So, usually, we're in the office tag and title, things like that, which is fine, but we need to be up front and center because we need to affect how we are working with each other in this very large purchase, you know.
0: And you're so right that uh, women are the ones making the decisions in the household in terms of purchasing, and so we need to be more conscious about who we purchase our cars from if we want to really um, help and support uh, the growth of Black-owned, minority-owned businesses in the automotive industry. So when you look at the getting more women in the industry, what are the pipelines that you see where we can actually introduce uh, Black women to the actual career option of uh, of the automotive industry that wasn't on my list i'm talking and 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 even exposed to me as a as a young person or even as a uh, uh professional in 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 college and so mm-hmm. how and what point do you expose them because everybody as you know since there are only six black women there are very few. Ah, uh, black families who are currently in the automotive industry, and that is how you explain some some of you got exposed to the industry. So where in the pipeline can we begin to expose young people as that this is actually a career option? Not just young people, even professionals. where 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 can how can we create pipelines?
1: Right. well, I mean, as as individual dealers, we do things like, college fairs and, and things like that. But like you said, there are only a few of us. So there's only so many people that we can reach. Now, I will say that as a black uh, woman in this business, I know people who, I know lots of black people in the industry. I know lots of uh, you know, black engineers and things like that, uh, technicians. So they're out there, but you're right. That's only because of my area of uh, influence or my area of my circle of friends, basically, and colleagues, but what we I think we've got to like I said, get the awareness out there that. um, This is an issue there aren't any black really significantly uh, significant numbers of black women or really African American dealers and they're shrinking the numbers are shrinking for African Americans. Um, And so use things like social media to kind of, you know, ask the questions and demand, you know, like, okay, we really want to support having more African Americans in this to, to purchase from, you know, to have that option. And then the, um, because we, the fact is that in order to have a franchise dealership, you have to be approved, um, or it has to be appointed uh, to the, uh, the dealer. So to go through that approval process, you've got to have You know, a load of experience, but also they've got to you've got to have their approval right so even if you are experienced. um, If they may pick someone else who probably has more money and things like that, so we also need to And in the banks, a lot of banks like JP Morgan chase and Wells Fargo frankly, are stepping up and Santander (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, seriously are stepping up to uh, their DEI programs to get more black people in this industry and doing a great job actually putting their money where their mouth is. Mm -hmm. Um, But we need to basically just sort of spread the word. And then once we start talking about Mm -hmm. it and why it's important, which is like I said, we need to be represented, it's a Mm -hmm. high paying industry and, and one that we're just not even there. But yet we're paying a lot of people's salaries, so we benefit from that. Basically, just awareness, because people got to start talking about it. Then once they start talking about it, then we can, you know, spread the word a lot more. People think about it as maybe something for themselves. They need to see themselves in that role. So when they go buy their cars, you know, the 56% of the people, women who are buying cars, they see a black woman, and they that they can buy from. So that'll make them think, oh. Well, maybe I might wanna do that. Or hmm, maybe my daughter may want to um, engage in that. Do you mind if she talks to you? We're always open to speak with people. Um, but you know, if they never see it, it doesn't occur to people. So we gotta get some black people in there right now, uh, basically to provide a role model and to uh, spread the word because the people are there. We just have to be there too.
0: So, you know, you talked talk about getting, getting the end. What are the roles that people can, become, can begin thinking about and pursuing right now until they get to the point where uh, they're in a position to be able to be a dealership owner?
1: Mm-hmm. So great entry level, not entry level, but if you, everybody's looking for technicians. I mean, everybody. So if you can get in one of these technical schools, they have them um, even in high school, I think two high schools have them here in Georgia, but um, there are technical schools and just Google it you know, for um, to be a technician. So if you have any inclination, I mean, when we get technicians, I mean, a lot of them, they're basically engineers. So once you get that training, it can take you so far. I've seen people go on to engineering school and get these schools and get major jobs you know, in other fields. Um, but you'll always get a high paying job if you are a technician. So that's one area I would advise people go into. The other is through sales. Um, if you want to be a salesperson, uh, if you want to be a dealer one day, the best way to get into it um, on a very vari- on the variable side, which is the sales side is through you know going in and apply for a job for either a product specialist or a salesperson. okay and and the people at the dealership will, guide you to how to either prepare for that role or maybe you should start here and then get to that role. But I think if you go into a dealership and say that you want to be a salesperson or a product specialist, that'll be a good entry-level position that you can grow from pretty easily.
0: So when you talk about the need for African-American women, more African-American women to be in, in the industry, there Let's speak specifically to them and and how you would see increasing the numbers of African-American women. What are the challenges that they should anticipate and what can they do to really get into that career?
1: Well, the challenges are gonna be, they're gonna say you don't have experience, (laughs) (laughs) right? So um, being willing to go in at at an entry-level position is important but also just believing in yourself and having confidence because these people don't know anything more than you do mm-hmm. and it's whoever's bold enough and believes in themselves enough to go on and and get it you know and ask for it those are the ones who who actually get what they need but i don't think i'm answering your actual question what what was the question again no
0: i'm you you are i'm i'm asking you you we're talking i want to talk specifically to women of color and black women specifically mm-hmm. what kind of message do you have to them about the automotive industry you know when you talk about increasing the numbers when you talk about maybe some of the challenges they can anticipate i, I want to speak specifically to that group of women and um what message would you have for them
1: mm-hmm. okay thank you well i mean i would just say Think about this as an option. Right now, the industry is going through a lot of changes with COVID uh, and all the um, inventory issues that we've been having because of the supply chain, because of all kinds of reasons. Uh, But either way, we're having major issues in the industry and a lot is changing. The way we do business is becoming more digital, more automated. So uh, I think younger people should really look at this industry because they can be a part of, anybody can, but certainly be a part of this change in creating the next dealership or retail automotive experience. Um, So I would just say for African-American women, you know, go on LinkedIn, and there are groups. There's one one group called WOCAN, Women of Color in Automotive. Um, WOCAN, I love that group. It's for women in all different areas of automotive, and they've come together and they have uh, speakers. They they feature people who are you know technicians or or managers or just working in black women, frankly, or women in, of color who are working in the automotive. Um, And so they have classes, like I said, and things like that. So I would definitely follow them, uh, reach out to them. I mean, everybody that I know in this space is happy to, uh, like I said, talk and and advise or mentor. Um, You can look me up on LinkedIn. I can share resources that I have. Um, But yeah, I I really like LinkedIn, to be honest. I used to not even consider it um, or even think about it. But ever since I realized that people were probably looking at my LinkedIn so I went and kind of straightened it up and I've just seen so many good connections so many good articles so so many wonderful resources so I advise them to go on there and reach out to some people and you know just search for women in automotive so
0: so let's talk about you specifically in the automotive industry you talked about Starting the internet sales on your in in your particular dealership, can you tell us more about that and what
1: your process was? Yeah, it was pretty interesting. <laughs> at the time. Um, basically, I was working with my dad. I think at the time I was his assistant or something. And um, so he asked, he told me, "Hey, I heard some people are starting to sell cars on the internet. Go figure out who it is and how they do it and do it." So I found three dealers and went out and sat with them and looked at what they did. Like I said, it was 1997, so you know nobody. <laughs> we were to trying to have a website maybe. So um, anyway, we did it though. We started selling cars on the web. People were saying, our traditional salespeople were saying, oh, you know, she's wasting time and she needs to come on down here, blah, blah, blah. Then of course, once I started selling 12 cars a month, they said, oh, she's taking our sales. You know, <laughs> we need <did take laughs> some of those internet leads. You know? But uh, so we we had three dealerships at the time, Acura Store and Lincoln Mercury and uh, Pontiac View GMC. So we installed internet departments in all of our dealerships and have had them and have been ahead of the curve now with digital retailing coming up and being more automated, we've been, you know, ahead of that. That's how we really were um, saved through COVID, was through our digital efforts. So we our salespeople were already ready to work from home, right? And you'd never see that in a car business. Of
0: course, of course. So how did that change your business model?
1: Beautifully. It made us more efficient. Um, now we have all of our morning meetings online. We used to all have to gather together and talk. Da, 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 da. You know, and it's hard to get everybody in a room and you know, to and to do it on a regular basis. Now all of our meetings are online, they're virtual, and we love it. And so um, we get to communicate with each other better. We communicate with our customers much better because we're communicating digitally in the way they want to communicate, right? So. It's just made it a lot easier. We've got all of our salespeople who you know, they don't have to run back and forth to the manager and find out what the price is and all that stuff. They can work their own deals based on you know their conversations and consultations with the clients and customers. It's just better a better experience for everybody all around.
0: Well, I know you uh, uh, your family must be really proud to be one of the uh, ahead of the curve in the whole process of uh, selling cars digitally.
1: They are. And, and my dad, as I mentioned, he's always been ahead of the curve with far as technology. And, you know, in the 80s, when we had our, our first or second Pontiac dealership on Covington Highway, the design of it was such that I don't have all the details. I'm not an engineer, but it was really like a funny looking building. And it was designed with the environment in mind that some kind of way it, we didn't have sun. Uh, I don't think we had the panels at that time, but it was designed to take advantage of the heat and whatever, and we didn't have, you know, bills, you know, heating bills and things like that for quite some time. So he's always been ahead of the curve and instilled that in me, and so that's where my passion is as well.
0: That's great, that's great. So here at the Empowerment Zone, we're all about uh, giving philanthropy service and social responsibility. So can you tell us a little bit about your work in terms of how you uh, impact the the community? Uh, What are some of your um, efforts in terms of fulfilling your social responsibility and making an impact in the community?
1: Yeah, so that's, uh... A huge part of being a dealer, and one of the best parts because you have the resources and you know to influence and you know to support your community. And so it's not influence, but really just support. Um, So, you know, we're in schools. Um, I personally, of course, was you know, my kids were growing up, I was in the PTA and all that, whatever, all the volunteer activities of my community. But I'm also on the board of Meals on Wheels Atlanta. Uh, We feed seniors and their pets, and we also do some home renovations for seniors. And more than that, what we do is provide uh, somebody to talk to, you know, company. A lot of people, they you know, we develop relationships and are are there for people who are oftentimes at home alone. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I really love that organization and always have. Uh, aside from that, i'm I've been active quite a bit on, the, on Common Cause Georgia. Uh, Common Cause is an organization that, for whatever reason, has been in my life since I was nineteen. Uh, I lived in washington, d c and got a job working for Common Cause. It's a nonpartisan organization. and uh, but our goals are transparency and government uh, voting rights. you know, we so we don't believe, obviously, that there is any voter fraud, and that's just a waste of our money and time and things like that. So, we also track donations and things like that. So, that's a part of our transparency. Um, so, when I moved to Georgia, some kind of way Common Cause came back up, and I ended up joining the board here at Common Cause Georgia. And that is, you know, I'm very heavily involved in politics. Um, I just think that everybody should be as much as possible. Mm-hmm. It's not easy and it's not uh, necessarily that, you know, it takes time. So, you know, you have to fit it in. But there's something that everybody can do to get involved to help our, our democracy survive in and in survive, period. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's where I put my focus, my energy, and my work um, is mostly on the political scene. I'm also on the um, Regulatory Affairs Committee on the NADA Regulatory Affairs Committee. I, they're pretty sure I'm the first Black woman to be on that. Um, but so we talk, you know, I'll, I'll be there at, at uh, Legislative Day in DC this coming up, and I'll have a meeting with Warnock, our senators, Warnock and Ossoff, and really advocate for things that are going on in, in, in my neighborhood, right? Mm-hmm. So just get involved, and you'd be amazed at if you write, if, if five people write to a politician then that's a big deal oh my God they'll vote your way if you if you the smallest amount of effort because so many people don't get involved makes such a huge difference so that I would encourage you to reach out to your uh, legislators make your opinions known see how you can volunteer and get involved.
0: That's so true. Uh, civic and political engagement is so important, and we have to be engaged individually and uh, collectively as a as a community. Um, you know, here at the Empowerment Zone, we really believe in service and philanthropy, and that people should use their people and organizations should use their power and their platforms to do good. And it's great to hear about your work with uh, Meals on Wheels, which I didn't know that they took care of pets too, which makes so much sense. And uh, Common Cause Georgia and Wocan.
1: Yes, indeed. Those are just a few of the things that that we do, but um, as as a dealership, we do so much more, but those are sort of my passion projects.
0: Do you want to talk about any of the things that your dealership does?
1: Well, we have look, done so much over the years. Um, so there's CARE, the cancer um, organization for kids. Uh, we support them pretty heavily. Um, and we've seen some amazing things happen with that organization. So um, also, let's see, uh, United Way, we've worked with them. we you know, everybody donates a certain amount from their check every week and things like that. So we always have programs. We also send a group of people down to Haiti when they had that mm-hmm. um, the earthquake and they worked and, you know, got water to people and we sent supplies. And I mean, we're everywhere. We just, we do whatever we can. And we, a lot of our employees influence these things. So if they have something like the Haiti trip, you know, it was actually a church trip for one from one of our um, employees, and uh, he asked that we would support it, and then other people wanted to get involved as well, and we ended up, like I said, sending a group of people, and I, I believe they made a big difference. So yeah,
0: that's great. Corporate re- corporate social responsibility. Everybody uh, who owns bu- a business uh, should be involved in taking care and giving to their communities. Indeed. So would you have any final words that you'd like to express in terms of your work and how you, uh, w- What what is the, what do you see for the future of the automotive industry as well as your work?
1: Oh, thank you. Well, I think the future of the automotive industry is going to be uh, EVs at this point. Uh, basically, most of the manufacturers have shifted resources from developing uh ICE cars to developing EVs, so I think we're going to see a little lag time in between the adaptation mm-hmm. full-scale, um, so look for lots of pre-owned cars to happen during that time, and speaking of pre-owned, I'm, I've also um, just started an independent on all-online dealership. It's called G-Lux Automotive, G-L-U-X Automotive.com, <laughs> so i um, and uh, basically we are a fully functioning dealership, pre-owned dealership, like a Carvana or something like that, um, online dealership, but we're more local. So wherever we go, we'll be local. And, so, and, and we'll show that you can communicate effectively digitally with clients and have them feel comfortable and um, empowered to create their own deals. Anyway, so um, that's what I'm working on. It's a lot of fun, but it's also a lab of sorts um the dealers, the new car dealers are going to basically have to adapt a digital retailing system in the next few years. And a lot of dealers don't have any idea of where to start. They've never, you know, either they, you know, who knows where they are in their digital process, right? But they'll need some help. So my plan is to use G-Lux to basically figure out what what are the, what do the customers want? What is the best process for dealers to actually Um, adopt and to execute because you don't want to disrupt a a process with something that you're not really sure of, right? Um, So you need to, so my plan is to do the research with G-Lux, find out the best processes, find out the best technology, possibly develop technology that's not existing, existent right now. And then I'll distribute it hopefully to the dealers so that they can have a a better process for the customers as well, because it's all about customer service. I mean, we're here for for the customers and to not, it's not what we want to do. You know, it's what you all want. And that, so we need to change some of us, our perspective and understand we're so busy trying to figure out our jobs, but let's simplify and streamline that so that we can focus more on the customer experience. That's what I'm working on.
0: So here at the Empowerment Zone, we are big advocates for uh, college success. So um, what would you recommend if you were talking to students, how they can be more successful in college? Uh, But before you begin, can you tell us what college or colleges did you attend? What were your majors? or major, and what degrees you received, and what is that strategy that you would give students to make sure that they're successful in college?
1: Absolutely. Well, I went to college two times. (laughs) So right out of high school, I went to Clark Atlanta University, which is where my grandmother also went and is dear to my heart. So I went there, but like I said, right out of high school, and I wasn't really paying attention or Appreciating the money that was going into paying for that college, and um, just kind of uh, dozed it off and, and and left school. Right. So then, after I got married and and divorced and had two kids, I realized, hey, I want to finish my degree. So I actually went back to Clark Atlanta University because I had to get those grades up. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> it anywhere. But Clark, you know, was a little out of my budget at the time. So I went back to Clark and was able to, I made straight A's you know, as an adult, 31-year-old um, for two semesters. And then I applied to Georgia State University, which is for in-state tuition is very reasonable and affordable. So that's one piece of advice I would say. Um, look at your in-state options because oftentimes the difference in tuition is just astronomical but um so i went back as an adult and so just i would say for people for younger people going into school into college try to imagine how much free time you actually do have right now right you think you're busy and you got to cram it in and do all these things But trust me, once you have children, and (laughs) um, you are amazed. The the main thing I remember when I had children, I remember thinking, oh, my goodness, if I had any idea how much free time I had, I could have gotten so much more done. Mm -hmm. So just imagine and understand how much time you do have. And so if you're in school and you're paying for it or somebody's paying for it, go ahead and give it your all. and and understand that this is an opportunity not only to learn whatever subject but to learn how to think how to get through problems outside of like my major ended up being religious studies so am i what am i doing with that yeah well i do understand a lot more about all the different religions right and he who knows one knows none so it, it helps me to get along with my clients and understand their traditions and so it has been very helpful, but um, it doesn't really even matter what your major is. Just go to school. It gets your brain going and gets you functioning. Uh, it just makes you a better person and a more clear clear thinker. And, and ha- you'll, have, you'll understand the cultural references and things like that a lot better. So I would encourage you to just realize what a blessing it is to even have the opportunity to go to school and take full advantage of it. Show up to every class. Don't accept anything less than an A, because why would you, right? So go in and get it. If you're there, make the most of it, is my uh, advice, which basically means showing up.
0: These are great pieces of advice. Uh, For many of you who um, want to save money as you pursue your college education, consider attending an in-state institution. Uh, You have a lot of time in college so make sure you take advantage of your free time. Life changes after college, <laughs> and then lastly, recognize your blessing for the opportunity to be in college. And, and as you recognize that blessing, take advantage of the college experience. Thank you so much, Grenade. Uh, this has been a great interview. A special thank you to the incredible team of the Empowerment Zone Terry on Gully, Theme Song, NADWORKS, Digital Support, and of course, our featured guest.